Jesus saying he is encouraging some type of discernment, some type of evaluation and even judgment about people's intentions and attitudes, and he's encouraging us to be careful of how we relate. There's another place where Jesus talks to his disciples, saying they are to look out for wolves in sheep's clothing. There's another place where Jesus directs, tells us to directly address wrongs that have been done by others, which means identifying places of hurt and wrong. And there's another place where even he says, don't just judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. And we see this in all other places in the New Testament and the Old Testament. So which is it, Jesus? Uh, judge not or judge with right judgment? And the answer is yes. <laughs> what this means is there is a certain kind of evaluating and even judging that Jesus says we should be doing carefully. And there is another kind of observing and evaluating and judging that Jesus says you must not do. It is not good for others and it is dangerous work for you to do yourself. You can think about it this way. God does not look at things like abuse, racism, greed, oppression, the exploitation of children, the taking away of innocent life, and say in response, it just doesn't matter. People are free to do whatever they want, and when you see things like that happening, you really should just mind your own business. To be human deep down at its core means that we are made in God's image. To be made in God's image is that means that we were made to reflect both His character and His purposes. To be made in God's image means that, like God, we were made to know right from wrong. We were created to name and wrong. We were created to work for what is right and work against what is wrong, which involves making certain evaluations and value judgments. Jesus is not trying to just shut down this way in which we were created by God to reflect His character and purposes. That would go against what it means to be human and it also would just lead to complete chaos. But instead, what Jesus is putting His finger on and pointing at is that there is something with that mechanism, that God-given design that has gone terribly wrong. Something has gone wrong in our ability to make these kinds of good discernments and these kinds of good evaluations. This is the struggle of all humanity that sin has corrupted these places in our hearts and has clouded our ability to make the kind of judgments that we were made to make so that our evaluations of others and our evaluations ourselves are so often and easily skewed and distorted. Look at what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log 
in your own eye. When my kids were younger, we would go regularly to the playground at Chick-fil-A. And at that time, they had this little mirror. I don't know how many of y'all remember that. And the kids would love to go and look at themselves in it because what made it fun was that it wasn't a normal mirror. It was a mirror that had these waves in it. And so when my kids would, would look at them, they would see a reflection of themselves, but everything else, but everything was kind of off. Their, their heads would be stretched really high. The rest of their bodies would be really smushed. And the kids would think it was the funniest thing. And they would want me to come over and they would see me in there, but it wouldn't be me. It would be dad with a giant head and dad with little... Some things were way too big and some things were way too small. It was just off. Jesus is putting his finger on a tendency that we all have to look at ourselves and to minimize our weaknesses, our faults, our struggles, and our own sins. And then to look at others and maximize and enlarge and make really big their faults and their weaknesses and their struggles and their sins so that when we look in the mirror, our problems look really, really small and we look really, really good. And other people's problems look really, really big and not so good. What this means is that the real problem that Jesus is addressing is not a healthy discernment. The real problem that Jesus is addressing is a kind of judgmental pride. Let me say that again. The real problem that Jesus is addressing is not this healthy discernment that aligns with God's character and goodness. What he is putting his finger on is this judgmental pride that runs in all of us. It's a way of relating towards people and their faults that's not motivated by love. It doesn't help. It's destructive to others and it's dangerous to ourselves. As Jesus himself, look at verse 2. He says, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if, if our own standards of judgment that we put on others, if those standards are going to be used on us, then we're in big trouble. And Jesus in love is saying, don't. Don't do it. You were made for so much more and there's a better way. And that brings us to our second point, the, the better way. What Jesus is doing is pulling us away from this kind of judgmental pride and drawing us into something much better, what we might call this way of humble love. Notice that Jesus doesn't just look at his disciples and others and say, shut it down. Don't make any evaluations, just mind your own business. Instead, he says, first, look at yourself and take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. So there are two important movements that Jesus brings together that, that are meant to capture how we are to relate to one another in this way. And the first is a movement towards you, what you might call true humility. True humility says before I'm going to look at the faults of others and pick those apart, I'm going to take a very close 
an honest and open look at myself. Or in the words of Jesus, before you address the speck that is in someone else's eye, you are going to take an honest look at the log that is poking out of your own eye. Our oldest son, Ethan, turns 16 next month, and that means he's been learning how to drive this past year. And as we've been teaching him how to drive, we've been teaching him how to use different mirrors. You have your rear view mirror, you have your side mirrors, and these mirrors are meant to help you see places that you couldn't normally see on your own. But as we've been teaching him about these mirrors, we're also teaching him about blind spots because there are things that even if you turn your head all the way around, even if you look in all these different mirrors, you still cannot see them. And it's these blind spots, these places that you cannot see that you have to be the most careful about because that's, those are the likely places where you're going to miss something dangerous coming in. And so you need other people to be able to look in those blind spots and, and help you. Jesus is saying here, we all, whether we like it or not, we all have our own blind spots. And the trouble about blind spots is you don't know they're blind spots. Another reason why we need other people. Other people who know us and other people who, who really love us. These are places where we're unable to see just how, how serious our own struggles, our own weaknesses, our own failures. And, and the picture that Jesus gives of this little speck in this log is meant to be intentionally bizarre. So that his audience that would have listened to that originally would have, have thought that's really strange because the picture is this person walking around with really a giant log that's coming out of their eye and then them walking up to another person and saying, hey, you've got a speck right there. Like, can I, do you mind if I like, help you with that? I don't know if it would be like, you know, if you have kind of a splinter in your hand and it's small and, and it hurts and maybe it's bleeding a little bit. And then, you know, somebody comes up to you with like kind of a stake running through their hand and be like, man, it looks like that hurts. Like, do you mind if I, you know, help you out a little bit with that? It just, it sounds absurd. And that's part of what Jesus is saying. It is absurd. The things that we do, and we don't know because they're blind spots. And what happens is when we start with ourselves, when we start with our own struggles, our own weaknesses, our own shortcomings, our own sins, then what it does is it begins to produce a kind of genuine humility, a kind of humility that is able to look at other people and say, I'm not better than you. You're not in this separate category of really messed up people, a lot of extra help. But instead, this true humility says, we, we both need help. We both need forgiveness. We both need grace. And if that's not going inside of us, if that's not happening, then we really do have no business pointing out anything that's going on in anybody else's life. But this is where it, does, it doesn't just stop with us. It doesn't just us stop with us being honest about our own needs and then throwing up our hands and saying, you know, I've got my own problems and I really have no business entering into anybody else's life. The first movement, if Jesus encourages true humility, 
then in the second movement, what he encourages is intentional love. In Jesus' own words, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. Don't miss the simple truth of what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants to help one another. He wants us to help one another see where those blind spots are and to move towards one another in love, to be instruments of His grace whereby we see the deeper struggle of what's going on and we speak the truth in love. Jesus doesn't say just because this can get really, really messy, you're you're better off just not doing it at all. Jesus is so much more committed to our good and he's so much more committed to creating a new community that is built on this kind of mutual love. Think about it this way. There is a massive difference between the courtroom and a hospital and what goes on in those places. There is a massive difference between being in a courtroom and building a case against somebody in order to work for a conviction and being in a hospital and diagnosing a sickness in order to work for a cure. You see how those two different work? In one, you're you're going through this discovery process to get all the dirt you can because you're building a case because you want to hurt them or you want justice to be served. In the other, you are trying to be observant to diagnose where this sickness has spread in order that you might work to help. A few in our church family have recently gotten scans to see if cancer has either returned or grown, and those are, those are difficult conversations. But, but when the doctor comes into the room and looks at the scans and takes a close assessment and, and evaluates and kind of judges what's going on, I, I don't think any of those people responded by saying, I, why, why are you always looking for what's wrong? I mean, every time I come in here, we're, we're, we have to look at scans of me and my problems. I'm sure if we did scans of you, we could talk about your problems all day long. My body's fine just the way it is. I bet your body isn't perfect. Let's look at some scans of you. Why are you always making these kind of judgments against me and, and my health? Um, those conversations don't happen. And there's a reason for that. Because there is genuine trust that is built. The person goes in there knowing that what this doctor is looking for is not just problems just to make us feel bad as we go home, but this doctor has my best in mind. They're given their time, they're given their energy, they're given their expertise, their attention, their care, concern, working towards a cure for me. This is, this is a question that um, where it hits home to me. When we point out problems in other people's lives, are we trying to help them or are we trying to help them? 
And this can even go deeper, even if you're not pointing out people's problems. Because I think a lot of us do a lot of observing and judging, but we don't say anything about it. We've built our cases inside of our mind. We've made our evaluations. And sometimes we have things stored up where if this person ever says anything about this, like, (laughs) do you know what I've got against you? I have that filing system in my head. I hate it. And, and Jesus is calling me and us to a different way. What's, what is your, the motivation of your heart? Is it trying to collect information so that you can hurt others? Or is it trying to know others well enough that you can genuinely love them and help them? And what Jesus is saying here is, I want you to stop being judges and prosecutors against one another. Always looking for what's wrong. Trying to make sure people get what they deserve. And instead, I I want you to be doctors, physicians, helpers, helping people to see and move towards healing and holiness. And that brings us to our final point. How, How do we get there? It's a beautiful picture of the kind of people that we are called to be. And I think deep down, we all want to be that. But it's not easy. And so our final question is just how do how do we get there? How do we become this kind of people who move towards others, not in judgmental pride, but in this kind of humble love? The kind of love Jesus himself describes in verse 12 when he says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is going to be short and sweet. We we only get there by the power of the gospel. This good news of God's grace in the life and death, and resurrection of Jesus. Only this gospel has the power to produce in us this kind of true humility and intentional love towards others. Think about how the gospel works at its most basic level. The gospel says God both sees us at our worst and loves us and moves at our worst. The gospel says that that God's movement towards us is not to build this cumulative case to bring against us to condemn, but diagnosing a deep sickness in order to work for a cure. This is a perfect love like we have never known before. And this kind of perfect love of God moving towards us in our worst is seen nowhere more beautifully or clearly than in the cross where we see the price that God is willing to pay, the the guilt and death that He is willing to absorb into Himself, taking on the worst parts of us, fully bearing them in Himself. Which is why the old prophet long ago Isaiah said, by His wounds... We are healed. When when we get that kind of grace, when when it begins to sink in, that it changes us. It changes, first of all, the way that we view ourselves. It means we don't have to minimize. We don't have to excuse. We don't have to blame shift. We don't have to turn a blind eye. We can be honest. We can be gut-level honest about our own weaknesses, our own struggles, our own sins, knowing that they're not this big hole that we have to dig ourselves out of on our own, and they are not what defines us. 
The gospel says we are not defined by the worst parts about us. True humility is not going around and feeling terrible about yourself all the time and letting other people know all the time what a terrible person you are. It's not the vision of the good life that Jesus casts for us, and it's, it's not humility. It's actually something very different. True humility is, is being so absorbed in God's grace that it defines who we are. And it brings about a beautiful kind of self-forgetfulness that stops making everything about us and frees us to move towards other people in love. Where we can say with the Apostle Paul, I live by faith God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when that kind of internal change happens, it also completely changes how we begin to relate to those around us. People are not just their problems, but people are these precious image bearers that God is moving towards in love. We don't have to be better than other people. We can stop playing this scales game where we're weighing out other people's lives, we're weighing out our lives, and we're trying to find different ways by which we come out on top. We don't have to play the role of prosecutor and judge anymore. We are freed to love. And that is what Jesus is calling us to. To love as God has loved us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your just amazing patience with us. You make such great promises. You keep those promises. Um, you see the worst parts of us and still You set Your love upon us. I pray that we would walk away today not with eyes focused but eyes focused on Your great salvation. And help us to move towards others in a kind of love that is compassionate and patient and humble and kind and full of grace and mercy because that is the kind of love that you have for us. It's in your great name we pray. Amen.